You're listening to Social Slowdown, a podcast for entrepreneurs and micro-businesses looking for sustainable marketing strategies without being dependent on social media. Social media is a double-edged sword. It's a wonderful way to stay connected, but it also can feel like an addictive obligation. And it's even more complex for businesses. Your audience might be right there, but you've got to fight with algorithms to maybe be seen by them. So whether you want to abandon social media altogether or you just want to take a month off, it's possible to have a thriving business without being dependent on social media. This podcast is all about finding creative, sustainable ways to engage with your audience without needing to lip sync, send cold DMs, run ads, or be available 24-7. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to have Lacey back. She is our first second time guest. Um, And the reason why I'm bringing Lacey back like in month two, (laughs) for all intents and purposes, is that I have a list of things that I would like to talk about in my solo episodes. And then Lacey legitimately wrote an email that took the words out of my mouth. And I was like, okay, instead of a short solo episode, this will just be kind of a mini conversation on this topic with Lacey, because she said it better than I could. So why not bring her back on? (laughs) So what we're going to be talking about in this episode is... um, knowing that your audience is not always trackable and that there is like probably a good percentage of people that are completely invisible to you uh, that aren't necessarily your biggest cheerleaders and what to do with that audience and how to know how to serve them. So Lacey, if you want to start with the kind of your story about this. Sure. Yeah. Um, I was inspired to start thinking about this. Uh, my coach, Meryl Kriegsman mentioned something in a in a call, I think that we were on, not even to me, to somebody else about uh, how she felt like she had an invisible audience because she definitely appeals to um, more experienced entrepreneurs. And she's, she was saying like, they're not going to necessarily comment in my Facebook group, although they might join and stalk and look and see what's going on. They're not necessarily going to come to a webinar. They're not going to download a freebie, but then they're getting on sales calls and being like, I've been following you for a while. I'm ready to buy. Right. And it got me thinking about the fact that so much of what we try to do in marketing or like that the I don't want to use the royal we because you and I, Meg, kind of know that this isn't true. But there's a <laughs> although we are royal in many ways, we're queens <laughs> of our own domain. So That's I think right. it's okay in this case, right? I guess what I mean is like there's a lot of marketing noise about being trackable, right? And and um, everything being trackable that you can you should be watching your numbers, watching your metrics, see watching your traffic. What are your likes? What are your blah 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 blah? Right. But there is always going to be a section of your audience, a segment of your audience that is invisible in this sense. Like there's no way to track what they're thinking, what they're doing. And I find that as you have a higher ticket offer, um, if, if you're just buying, if you're just selling a widget, you might be able to track like, oh, I wrote a blog post about the widget. And when I got more traffic, I sold more widgets. Hooray. Right. But <laughs> When you're selling a higher ticket service, especially, it gets harder and harder and harder to measure the ROI of any single piece of content, right? Um, People are not going to read my blog and then immediately click a buy now button that that invests in a $12,000 retainer with me. That's just not how it works, right? (laughs) I wish. I wish it worked that well, but that's just not how it works. I'm a good writer. I'm not quite that good, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but 
but I do know that like my blog posts have value because I, I know that people, when they find out about me or when somebody refers them to me, they come and check me out. They read my posts. People mention on sales calls, well, I read your post about X or I read a bunch of your posts and I really like your style. So there's this untrackable ROI of those blog posts, right? And the same is true of just about every piece of content I produce, you know, um, likes on an Instagram don't translate to sales directly to me, right? But it does help me see maybe other things like, oh, that person's paying attention or "Hmm, that message resonated with the types of people I'm interested in talking to. It's just not the kind of like super direct A equals B equals a sale. (laughs) Yeah. And I think you're right that, or Meryl's right to be more accurate, which is that like sometimes people just loiter for a really long time. And the busier that person is, the less they're going to take time out of their schedule to reach out to you, to comment on things, to show up for free trainings. You know, I definitely see within my free trainings, it's often either people who are completely brand new to me or people who have been you know, showing up to every free training that I've had for the past three years. Mm -hmm. And there's very little middle ground in there. But the people who join the program are not necessarily the people who show up for the free training, but you have to have the free training in order to let them know that, you know, and, and recognizing that conversion rates are squeaky. They're not hard, (laughs) fast numbers. That's a technical term. Squeaky. It is. (laughs) I did. I did learn the words squelch today. Oh, I had to look one. up the definition of it. Is that yeah. a mortal or um, something? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was about the way the toothpaste comes out of the oh, tube. Yes, squelch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, obviously, it's my verb of the day. Um, I feel like I wouldn't normally bring that up unless it were you. Um, but there's. Uh, there are people who say like, just reach everyone and and be in front of everyone and build an audience and then, you know, throw spaghetti at the wall and somebody will buy it from you. And as long as you have a big enough audience, then people will buy even if your conversion rates crap. And then there are the people who are going like, um, as long as you have a high conversion rate, you don't necessarily need to have a big audience. Mm -hmm. But in both of those camps, there is this assumption that you know the size of your audience. Right. Right. And and I think we've all gotten used to well, if you're internet old like I am, we've gotten used to being able to track like or talk about those numbers. Like how big is your email list? How many people are in your social media audience? What are your conversion rates? What's your traffic like? And you know, for a while, it was very much a measuring contest, we'll say, like, who has the biggest, <laughs> who has the biggest email list, et cetera, et cetera. But what I have discovered is even a big email list doesn't necessarily convert if it's the wrong type of people, right? So I actually had this experience a couple of times in my business where I would use a strategy to build my email list and it worked like gangbusters, um, but it was attracting people who didn't necessarily want to buy what I had to sell. And I went through a very um, ego decimating (laughs) experience (laughs) where we cleaned my list and we went from over 5,000 people on my list to under 300. And those are the people who were active, who were opening my emails, who had, you know, we gave them all the opportunities and that was a real blow to my ego. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be paying active campaign for those people who weren't opening my emails. And if they're not opening my emails, they're probably not my ideal customer, right? They're probably not going to buy from me. So although I came up in this world of like, you know, your email list size is everything. 
not having those people on my email list has not impacted my business really in any way. I'm still sending out emails every week. I'm still getting leads. I'm still selling things because the size of my audience is not directly related to the number of sales I make. Yeah. And the, you, you said, you know, the people who aren't opening my emails might not be my ideal client. They might not want to buy from me or the people who are going to buy from you might not be email readers. Exactly. Exactly. Like the two do not necessarily <laughs> correlate. Like yeah. if they subscribe to my emails and then want to buy from me, fantastic, but it doesn't necessarily correlate. It's like correlation is not causation, right? I'm married to a scientist. So, uh, <laughs> I've had that drilled into my brain. But yeah, the 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 size of my email list and and who's on there doesn't necessarily correlate to who's going to buy from me. I know because I've been doing this so long. I know where most of my clients come from. They mostly come from referrals. A few come from Google search and a few come from like hearing me on podcasts like this one and things like that. So it, it's not but people do subscribe to my email list. They do read my blogs. They do read my Instagram posts. They do right? It's it's different things. It's just not necessarily I can't build my business like, oh, I can definitely tell that I'll make X number of sales when I have X number of new leads on my email list. Yeah. Every time I hear someone say like, you know, take the cost of your product and then your conversion rate and divide it by the number of people on your list. And that's the value of each subscriber. I'm like, that's bullshit. That is not a metric that makes any sense to me. That really only works if you're selling a thing. If you're selling a, a, a physical product, that might work. Um, but it works a lot less for service providers. It really does. And I think, you know, you made a really good point, which is the the three top referral sources for you are, um, ref, you know, direct referrals, people who are making the, that one-to-one introduction, mm-hmm. uh, SEO, which is not necessarily people who are going to uh, – to leave a trackable trace behind themselves right. if they don't sign up for your email list. They might just go straight for your contact form and people who hear you on podcasts. And podcasts are one of the least trackable ways to market your business <laughs> because we have no – podcast apps are the hardest to track. Okay. So can I just tell you? <laughs> oh, you can tell me. So two years ago, I think it was 2019 into 2020, I worked with Podcast Ally which is a podcast pitching PR service. I had a mm-hmm. great experience with them. They got me on a lot of really good podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, their CEO, Bridget Lyons, reached out to me recently and was asking me if I had any like testimonials I could share where I could directly track a client to an appearance on a podcast, like where I could say this episode that you can go link to and listen to and get a transcript of directly got me a client. <laughs> And in the, I don't know how many years I've been doing podcasts, um, I went back, I have a form on my website and it asked, where did you hear about me? Um, At least within the last like three years for which I can definitely validate the data, six people, six have said they heard me on a podcast. One who became a client said she thought she heard me on Claire Pelletro's podcast, which I've never been on. And the only other person who actually specified which podcast, no, I guess there were two. There was one who specified a podcast but didn't become a client and one where I was literally on a client's podcast talking about what I do for them and the person who heard me there became a client. So like, it's so untrackable. It's crazy. Like the, the, (laughs) it's great. And I've been on dozens and dozens and dozens of podcasts. 
And even if you do, if you're running your own podcast and you have experience with this, you you had a podcast for a bit. Um, even if you're running your own podcast, you can't track who's listening to it. Nope. The closest you can come is how much traffic is coming into my show notes. But like, I'm an avid podcast listener. I never go to the show notes right. unless there's something really specific I'm looking for. And then half the time, I don't even open up the show notes. I just go to the links in my podcast player and go to the outbound link from that. So that may work for you know the eventual site that I get to. They may be able to say, oh, this person came from Libsyn or Buzzsprout. But it's not even necessarily which episode that person was listening to that you can track. Right. So when we're talking about invisible audiences... It's like, we have no freaking clue where our people come from. So what you just said about like, I have a a form or my contact form has a a blank that just says, how did you hear about me? That's kind of the best we can do. And it's still not super accurate because people are like, I don't remember where I heard about you. I've been following you for a long time. I bet you get this a lot too, Meg, because... Yeah, um, people are like, I don't know, I must have heard about you on a podcast four or five years ago, and blah blah blah, you know. And so it, it's even that is not. Or accurate. I get, we don't. I get what I get a lot is I've had like ten people tell me that I should reach mm-hmm. you, and I'm like, who is one of them? Tell me one of the ten people. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like sometimes I'm in like a uh, uh, um, investigation room. Yes. This is like on brand for you, right? Yeah. And it's like, give me a name. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And so, you know, you can only do the best you can do. But I really do think that even the marketers who have relied on this kind of information in the past are going to have to just get comfortable with invisible audiences in the future because we're seeing this as a trend because of privacy laws and things like that. So, you know, the iOS, what was it? iOS 15 update, 14, 14 update yeah. for, for uh, Facebook was a biggie. And then the, the more recent update where it's not tracking opens in certain yeah. certain emails anymore. Like what we can track is becoming less and less accurate every day. And now Google's been sued a couple of times for being illegal in the U- the EU. So mm-hmm. we're going to see a lot more rolling out in terms of privacy and cookies. And and uh, I, I'm seeing a lot more privacy tracking software mm-hmm. gaining speed. Right. I'm sure I'll be talking about that soon, too. Mm-hmm. Probably more on YouTube than on the podcast. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but recognizing that none of these tracking systems are accurate. We very rarely know, really, very rarely can we know where people come from except direct word of mouth. Right. And even then, you know, people will say, uh, you know, I reached out to you. I, I asked who who I should reach out to for SEO and people kept saying your name. And also I thought that I'd heard of you from somewhere else. It's like, we can't think of our marketing as individual pieces of content anymore. It really has to be a body of work that we're creating in any, any one of those pieces of content, whether that's relationships that we're building, trainings that we're doing for groups, podcast interviews, blog posts, like social media, those are all like the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And it's all about how you're showing up. You know, that's such a good way to put it. You know, it's not about single pieces of content anymore. And that's, that's totally true. And I would argue it's maybe never been about single pieces of content because when you think about it, if a piece of content of yours goes viral, what are the chances that that viral piece is actually going to lead to sales? Um, Again, with higher ticket offers, it's rare. Like it might grow your audience. It might grow your likes. You might get a a bazillion likes on your, on that particular Facebook page or post or whatever it is. But um, the likelihood that you'll get the second click and the third click 
to get them to where they're ready to be um, ready to actually be a client is is very very low. So like my my goal is never to go viral anymore. Um, it's just to produce content that's going to continue that conversation with the person who's thinking about me, you know, who's thinking yeah. about what they might need and and becoming top of mind, um, staying top of mind. And you never know who's listening. That's the other part. Like I've definitely had people come on sales calls with me and say, I read your book and you've been on my, you've been on my vision board for three years and I'm finally ready to work with you. And you're just like, that's incredible. And it's so moving and it's such a wonderful compliment. And there's no way to track those people. (laughs) You know, I just had one who said three years ago, you gave me advice in a live training. I used it. I watched all your free stuff. I, you know, I was able to get to the point where I could build my business up so that 30% of my traffic comes from SEO and led to more sales. And that gave me the chance to leave my job and go full full-time on the business. And now if I already have that from the free stuff, imagine how much more I'll make when I know what I'm doing, right? Yeah. Like, those people are all, and hi, Heather, um, <laughs> people are always <laughs> hanging out. And, and you know, a lot of marketing speak can be really open-ended and kind of like, oh, well, you're building brand awareness. Mm-hmm. And the, brand awareness isn't trackable. But then when you have those people who are lurkers, then they know about you and and you never know how long a sales cycle is going to be. That was, you know, 2019. That was three years ago right. we were having that conversation. And now she's finally ready to take that next step. Um, and we don't, it, it's, it's not something that is visible, measurable, trackable in any way. We, there, there's just a certain amount that co- goes to your marketing of, I'm just going to keep creating something that's good quality mm-hmm. and I'm not going to be able to track the lifespan of it. Yes. And I've said this since like practically day one in my business, but my marketing philosophy is show up and be useful. And if you do mm-hmm. that regularly, continuously, guess what? People remember. People remember that you gave them good advice on a free training. They remember that your free stuff was good. They remember that they read my 99 cent book or whatever. And then when they're ready to invest, they remember you. It's the same same idea, that top of mind advertising, if we're going to call it that, or top of mind marketing is so valuable in the long run and we cannot track it. Well, that was all I wanted to say about this. Anything else that's on your mind on this topic? Any um, final thoughts? No, but except that I'd, I'd like to go ahead and already schedule my third appearance because um, as you know, <laughs> I am about to put out a podcast project that has no direct call to action whatsoever. <laughs> yes. A stone. And it's it's entirely conceived as like a top of mind visibility project. And so maybe in six months or a year, I'd love to come back and talk about if and how (laughs) it worked. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're also talking about some really interesting things right now about just being okay with experimenting and being playful and Mm -hmm. seeing what happens and not, not feeling like everything that you do has to have a direct correlation to an outcome. It can, sometimes it can just be fun. It's okay to have fun. And at me as the, the marketing data person who is like, let's look at your analytics. Let's find your privacy software. Like let's, let's track what's working. There is still just a certain extent where it's like, this is entirely untrackable and out of our hands. So let's just have some fun and play, man. A hundred percent. I'm here for it. That's definitely a message I'm shouting from the rooftops right now. Like, God, let's just have some fun. I'm so tired of everything being so serious. 
does. And fun doesn't necessarily have to mean, you know, dancing on TikTok. No. Or doing a reel. Fun can be, I thought I had this idea in the shower and I'm going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And fun, a lot of times the metric you're looking for there is, does it get you excited? Does it get the people around you yeah. excited? Guess what? It's going to get your audience excited. Yeah. And who do I get to meet? Who do I get to play with? Mm-hmm. Who's going to show up? Who do I get to partner with? What relationships do I get to build? None of this is short term. Totally. If you if everything that you do in your marketing is based on what can I get out of it this month, then you need to rethink sort of how how long you want your business to live. I think you and I are an excellent demonstration of that because we have been friends and business buddies and referral partners and everything else for God knows how many years at this point, and it just uh, keeps getting 2015. better. Yeah. Megan Flett introduced us in 2015. So what, that's like seven years, and it just keeps getting better. Yeah. And and the referrals and the, the relationships, you know, the, none of that is... <sighs> I, I mean, sometimes, Lacey, I feel like you and I just trade money back and forth. <laughs> 100%. 100%. I'm okay with that. Right. Um, sorry that I just increased your taxes, but you know, I increased your expenses too. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on to just have this mini episode with me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm glad we could do it. We'll see you in six months for your podcast. Okay. Podcast. Sounds good. Thank you so much for listening to the Social Slowdown Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or come on over to socialslowdown.com and sign up for our email list so you never miss an episode. We'd also love if you could write a review to help other small business owners find the show. You can head over to socialslowdown.com slash review or grab that link in our show notes for easy access. We'll be back soon with more tips to help you market your business without being beholden to social media. Talk to you then.